This is an ABC podcast. But I am here to assure you we ain't going nowhere. That's Triple H. He's a pro wrestling legend and he's preaching to his congregation at Raw, a massive WWE event. You see, his organisation was just purchased by the Ultimate Fighting Championship owners. It cost $9 billion US. Their combined value is allegedly $21 bill. And there's trepidation from both fan bases. How far will this go? Will UFC be compromised with wrestling-style storylines? What about crossovers? Will we see Roman Reigns in the octagon? Conor McGregor wrestling? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Nick Captain writes on UFC and other things for ABC Sport. Campo, why has Endeavour, who owns the UFC, a very real mixed martial arts league, bought the World Wrestling Entertainment Group, a very fake wrestling product? <laughs> uh, well, I imagine it had just come down to the, the WWE has been sort of open to a sale for probably the past four or five months. Um, there's been some high-level discussions about, you know, how much it would be worth and who could possibly be interested in acquiring the WWE. The word on the street was that you wanted $9 billion. Mm-hmm. This values the WWE at 9.3. Right. So despite everything that's happened... I'm a visionary. Well, you hit the number. No. <laughs> yes. Deservedly so. It's a well-established brand with a, a very large, very engaged fan base that sort of straddles that netherworld between sports and entertainment. It's a pretty proven profit machine, so... I guess it's the sort of thing that any company would want to have in their portfolio, but Endeavour adding it when they already have the UFC on the books is certainly a big move in the in the weird and wild world of combat sports. I think if you're a fan of either of these products, WWE or UFC, you're wondering about crossover. Have we ever previously seen UFC fighters end up in wrestling or pro wrestlers end up in the UFC? Well, I think all combat sports draw at least a little bit from, from professional wrestling in one sense or another, but I think the USC has always tried very hard to draw a distinct line between what they do in the WWE with the, the scripted matches and the scripted entertainment and, and, and what the UFC offers, which has always been sold on being, you know, 100% real and 100% authentic. So despite that delineation, there has been some slight crossover. I'm sure fans will all remember um, Brock Lesnar, a, a WWE wrestler who's sort of fleeted back and forth between the WWE and the UFC a couple of times over the years. With one of the strongest men in the mixed martial arts world. Oh, it is all over! It is all over! Wow! Lesnar is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world! Wow! Wow! Brock Lesnar has done it! A little bit more recently, Ronda Rousey, who was a real trailblazer for, for women's MMA and for a time was arguably the biggest star in the entire UFC. Once her UFC career sort of wound down. She suffered a couple of very nasty um, knockout losses back-to-back, and then she went over to the WWE and sort of used her profile to to make the switch across. And now, with Sony up top, there's the Piper's pit by Ronda Rousey. Who wants a souvenir tonight? Who wants a souvenir? Charlotte, watch closely. I got a WWE official win for you. Tap out by DeVille. Apart from that, there hasn't been too much cross-pollination between the two. Up until now, there have been two very distinct entities, which is uh, part of what makes this sale so interesting. 
So is the stage set for more of that? You know, I'm thinking Conor McGregor taking on WWE wrestlers. I'm thinking Roman Reigns getting into the octagon. It sounds weird, but people will watch weird. That is one thing we know for sure. That's absolutely right. And I think that's the, that's the sort of critical juncture of this acquisition is how much crossover there really will be. There's the potential for the UFC to get into some some very messy territory on this one. I think the company fought for a very long time to make mixed martial arts a legitimate sport in the in the eyes of the people. And that's a journey that took close to, to 30 years for MMA to sort of get that mainstream acceptance. Partnering up with the WWE, who, like, let's be real, they're not a sports league, they're an entertainment product. I don't think it's a good idea to sort of muddy the waters and, and, and sort of go back on all that progress, you know? Like, people will watch weird, 100%. If Roman Reigns was to fight John Jones tomorrow, a whole lot of people would watch it, but it would get the UFC back to sort of more of a novelty, more of a performance thing than an actual legitimate sport. I do think it would be a mistake to, to sort of rush over the WWE fighters to the octagon or to get Conor McGregor, you know, trying to hit a suplex on The Undertaker or something like that. You know, I, I think... There's, there's the potential for things to go very, very badly for the UFC here to sort of light on fire a lot of the legitimacy that they've been fighting for for a really long time. So maybe we don't see that level of crossover, but I do wonder whether we're going to see them lean, the UFC that is, further into the personality-led aspect of competition that WWE have had such success in, the cultivation of a fighter's persona, the confection of beefs and rivalries, I'm not sure you agree with me, but what do you think about the prospect of that sort of being exacerbated? It's not that I don't agree with you, Stacky. I think that is going to happen. I just think it's a it's a terrible idea. You know, I I think it's 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 really important to think of these the the two entities as separate. As one is a as I said before, one is about performance and one is about athletic competition. You can teach a, an athlete to be a performer. That's what the UFC have tried to do over the years to sort of help fighters build their profile and build the magnitude of their fights. But leaning fully into the, into the scripted nature of, of the WWE, that's where I think the, the UFC could really fall down. Part of the reason that they're, that they're doing this or that they'd be open to, to those sorts of machinations is they've really struggled to develop stars probably over the last five or six years. You know, Conor McGregor came in and, and was and is the biggest star in mixed martial arts, perhaps the biggest star in all of combat sports. But outside of him, there has been a little bit of a star vacuum and the UFC has struggled to create personalities that people find really compelling. The fights are always really good and, and, and everything like that. But what the UFC is after is fighters who can sort of transcend the combat sports bubble and really make a really make a penetration into the wider culture. I would imagine that they're looking at some of those WWE techniques to boost fights and sell fights while trying to maintain the integrity of an actual athletic competition. It just seems to me to be too fine a tightrope for them to really walk. So I agree with you that we're going to see some of the WWEification of the stuff around the UFC fights, but I don't think it's possible to do that without impugning the integrity of the fights themselves. So, look, there's billions of dollars at stake and much richer and smarter than people than me have sort of cooked this one up, but I'm not sure how they'll be able to sort of nail that balance, if that's even possible at all. I was watching the owner of WWE, Vince McMahon, and the 
Chief Executive of Endeavour, Ari Emanuel, being interviewed on CNBC, and there was such a contrast. McMahon, you know, the wrestling wildcard, a consummate salesman in a cream suit with a lopsided moustache. Let me make it clear. I thought you worked for me. <laughs> Sitting next to Emmanuel, who's giving off this sense of being the adult in the room, all hard economics and valuations and business models. We paid a fair price, um, and I'll tell you why. We paid a little bit for control premium with our cost cuts, their new deals coming up, which is right now. And it made me wonder, who do you think out of this relationship gets the most from this merger? I think from a pure dollars and cents perspective, it's the UFC and it's the it's the Endeavour Group because, like I said, the WWE is a proven commodity. It's very much sort of a, a closed universe in the sense that it can just keep going and keep generating the product that it's generated for nigh on 40 years now and keep making money and keep getting bigger. You know, WrestleMania was on the weekend and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm not, you know, a, an every week sitting down and watching... WWE type fan but you know Wrestlemania is still one of the biggest sports entertainment events in the world you know the WWE is ticking along really nicely as it always has the number one show in cable is Raw 1.8 million viewers up 9% from the same period of time 2022 to 2023 even though everybody says cable's dying Raw is up the UFC is at something of a, of a little bit of a crossroads it is, it's struggling to generate new stars. It's, it's struggling to maintain the interest that was sort of sparked up in the Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey days. So given that now they have all the WWE tools at their disposal, I suppose from like a dollars and cents perspective, this is a better move for the UFC. You know, they're sort of the remora fish going along in the WWE's slipstream. Like I said, I'll be very interested to see if they can if they can pull this one off, because if they can't, it's the sort of thing that could damage the credibility of the UFC forever and see it drop back from being a legitimate sport into something closer to a kind of sports entertainment freak show element, um, which as someone who's been very invested in, in MMA proving its legitimacy for the last couple of decades, it's definitely not something I'm keen to see. Just finally, any time you go into a partnership with someone, you know, you're essentially taking on some of their liabilities and flaws. And Vince McMahon has had an ongoing sexual misconduct scandal. And some have asked, did that event push you towards this day faster than you thought you'd ever be here? Previously, he was in charge, so he was largely unaccountable. Do you think that he might be held accountable now in that scenario or even in this one? It's definitely possible. So Vince McMahon actually left the the WWE for a time, I think, from the middle of last year, but then returned um, in January of this year. And from what's happened since, I think it's pretty clear that he returned in order to help facilitate this sale. You know, he's still going to have a role with the WWE. I'm pretty sure he's still going to be on the board of the organisation and all of that. I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I got Vince McMahon, a visionary that sees around corner. I got Dana White and what we've built. That's pretty unstoppable. So you wanted him to stay? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God. I think it would be difficult for anyone to apply a series of checks and balances to Vince McMahon just because he has operated with such impunity for such a long time. You know, he's been running the WWE since since the early 80s and he's pretty much had it at his own private fiefdom for, for much of that time. So while I think the general idea would be 100% to put some, some barriers in place and all that, I don't know if they'll actually be able to work because I don't imagine Vince McMahon is the sort of person who is used to being told what to do or used to having sort of those checks and balances in place. In theory, there'll be a lot of things that can sort of slow that down. But like I said, it's different in theory to what it may be in practice. Campo, you've helped us go off the top rope today, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks, Jackie.
Headlines. NRL and the Tigers have apologised over their Anzac Day jersey. What did they do wrong? Well, the strip had an image of American soldiers instead of Aussie ones. Whoops. There'll be a new jersey for their Round 8 clash with Manly. Still on Tigers. And Tiger Woods is not sure if this will be the final time he ever plays the Masters. I didn't know. I mean, last year was... Didn't know if I was, I was going to play again at that time. Uh, for some reason, everything kind of came together. I kind of pushed it a little bit. And I was able to make the cut, which was nice. Yeah, I, I don't know how many more I have in me. So just to be able to appreciate the, the, the time that I have here and, and cherish the, the memories. The 47-year-old is still struggling with his body after that nasty car crash from 2021. He says he can hit the ball fine. It's the walking around the course that's the issue. By the way, did you catch our episode on Cam Smith and the way Liv is framing his campaign at Augusta National? If you missed it, there's a link in the show notes. And Rafa Nadal will not play the French Open lead-in tournament, the Monte Carlo Masters. He's still struggling with the hip issue that ended his Australian Open defence in January. Roland Garros gets underway May 28. So there's still time, but his preparation is clearly suffering. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to UFC, WWE, The Masters and CNBC for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.